Hi. Uh, <laughs> hi. Welcome to Affable Chat. Uh, my name is Benjamin, and I'm joined today by my good friend Joey. Hey, how's it going? And we're going to be changing things up a little bit here on the podcast. We're actually experimenting with uh, different structure for our uh, podcast because it turns out that uh, even though we have enough to say to fill up three hours, not everyone wants to set aside three hours to listen to us, which is is totally understandable. Yes, (laughs) including us. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So we're going to try to cut it down. So we're we're just going to get right into it. So uh, so we'll see how this goes. Today we're talking about Idiocracy, a 2006 film uh, comedy. The by directed <laughs> directed by Mike Judge, uh, the creator of uh, Silicon Valley, King of the Hill, Beavis and Butthead. He was also the director of Office Space. Yep. Uh, and it stars Luke Wilson, Maya Rudolph, Discount Zach Braff, and Terry Crews. So, yeah. uh, how how did you watch this movie, Joey? I watched it on the Google Play services. I shilled out like three dollars to watch it in HD on my monitor. Nice. I uh, I also shelled out three dollars, but I watched it on YouTube. Nice, nice. Yeah, I I can't actually like watch movies on YouTube because I installed this extension on my browser that keeps me from watching more than an hour of YouTube a day. Wow. So I can't actually watch movies on YouTube because they're it, usually longer than an hour. Hey, dude, you're outsourcing your uh, your own restraint to. I'm still giving Google, Google my money, so. <laughs> Well, um, okay, well, go ahead and hit us the synopsis for this one, All right, let's hit it. Uh, An average Joe jumps through hoops to earn a presidential pardon so you can ride a theme park ride. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. That's all you get. (laughs) (laughs) That's the whole, that's the movie right there, so, um, but... All right, so let's, let's let's talk about Idiocracy. So what what did you like about this movie? What are, what are some pros for you, Joey? I think this was a really well-executed, uh, high-concept movie in that there was a simple premise. It was engaging. It really drags, brings you in, and there's a lot of potential for fun gags and stuff, which the movie does a really good job with. Um, I really think Luke Wilson delivered. He was, a, he was a good, like, lead actor. I don't see him in a lot of stuff. I see him in some Wes Anderson stuff, but... Not often in other movies, and I think he like portrayed just a general frustration, but but also having this kind of optimism throughout really well. So, what about you? What did you like about it? Well, first, the my favorite thing about it was its hilarious critique of excessive advertising. Okay, uh, because I I'm very advertising conscious in my day to day, and this this movie kind of focuses on that in a interesting way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that Terry Crews was excellent. His role was perfect for him. He like being able to be the president slash like WWE champion slash just like all around badass. He's just it, it was Terry Crews was a great choice for that, and I always enjoy seeing him uh, have a good time in his roles. And yeah. also, but I, and I want to echo your sentiment on just the premise. Like I think this is a really creative idea. It's the reason that well. It's a huge reason why I brought it up, uh, wanting to talk about it on the podcast, because, uh, you know, it, it is a really cool and creative idea. It is, and there's not a lot of movies that kind of explore this, but it's something that's so well known that people who haven't even seen the movie know what it is. You know, you say idiocracy, most people know what that, what that means. Or, yeah, yeah, or at least know a, a quote or a reference. From I guess we should kind of explain exactly what it is, just to be clear. The, the, our main character, Joe travels 500 years into the future uh, and everybody is really stupid and he's the smartest person 
in the world, even though he's like an average person in uh, like modern day, and everything's like awful and everything's falling apart, and he's the smartest guy in the world, so they all turn to him for solutions. And yeah, and his average intelligence is far superior. Yeah, far superior. And they do make a point to express how just how average Joe is before they send him to the future. So yeah, they do. Uh, this I, technically uh, this is a comedy, but I think it, it also falls under the umbrella of time travel movies. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I do like time travel movies. I'm hesitant to put that in the list because there isn't technically time travel. It's hibernation, but. Well, yeah, and and they d- well, they definitely never travel back, only in one direction. So that's I guess that's, that's not. Anyways, okay. uh, what what did you not like about this movie? I okay, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I didn't care at all about Joe. Like, I didn't respect any of his decisions. He never did anything that made me really care about him. Um, I didn't care if he survived, and I didn't care if he fixed anything. You know, I didn't care if he got killed off indiscriminately forever you know that would have been a a more satisfying ending for me honestly if they had just killed him i feel like that would have been a better statement but another thing was that it didn't really play with the social aspect enough like the difference between different social classes everybody was the same everybody was equally dumb you know there's no like there's nobody taking advantage of the situation there was no no factions or like you know cultural groups that were at war with each other um it was very much like everyone's the same everyone's like this and i don't know i didn't think that was that interesting also uh, i didn't laugh that much <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i kind of i'm with you there one of my biggest criticisms was like the crude humor gets really unfunny after a while uh it's just i mean at, at first it, it's kind of jarring like when you first get to the future and you're like whoa look how you know it's it's not Fuddruckers anymore. Uh, you know, like yeah. they, they, that kind of stuff is kind of funny. But an hour later, you, like, I don't care if your monster truck has a big dildo on it. Like, that's not, that's, that's definitely not getting a chuckle out of me at this point. Um, but also, it was kind of frustrating because it, it loses its grip on any semblance of, like, consistency or, like, reality. Like, everyone is, like, equally stupid. Uh, the way they explain that is that smart people die, like, died off because they couldn't reproduce at the same rate as these uh stupid people but it's like so that eliminated smart people altogether they weren't smart enough to figure out how to survive you know like it just it it, i i i don't uh i think that the it was just so basic of a way to portray the entire society that everyone is equally stupid uh is just while it's kind of funny and the movie kind of relies on that it for me i i just uh at the beginning, I thought they could go deeper. And once I realized that they had gone a certain level and then they were going to stay there, uh, it, it was not as, you know, I lost the motivation to be, like, invested in the movie. Um, yeah, but that's al- exactly how I felt. Well, and also, I, like, I felt like they thought I was as stupid as the people in the movie uh, with some of the, the jokes at a certain point where you're like yeah i get that you're showing this because yeah their society is stupid but you're still showing it to me too and i'm not laughing so uh that that, for me it just got kind of exhausting uh yeah and it was i mean exhausting is a good way to put it because it was a it's frustrating to watch and uh yeah so let's move into a little bit more in depth here to our overall section but i honestly like this movie is freaking terrifying to me and i and after i after like the first you know moments or so when you're in the present and then you move to the future i just constantly felt like disgusted 
and like like nauseated the whole time where like everything i saw i was just like had this face of disgust on like my entire watching <laughs> period i don't i like i i guess i could see where some of the jokes were but for the most part it was more just me being horrified and and so like in shock i didn't know how to react like uh anything particular that horrified you specifically um i've already kind of erased a lot of it from my mind <laughs> but i would say the um where, where he's okay he's sitting on the on his chair which is also a toilet yeah that was and he's funny. like sicking he's like uh sipping like juice or whatever out of his uh little nipple thing you know the thing you put on baby bottles yeah i don't know what those are called the little nipple he's like has one of those and he's like sucking out of it and he's watching like a tv and the tv has all this stuff on it and the concept is like ads all around the edge but he's watching a show called ow my balls <laughs> that was actually I, I i thought that was funny too like again right when you got to the world you're like there's so many possibilities uh yeah. which is is why it's exciting you're like whoa okay so this guy it looks like a pretty normal guy in the future and he's like sitting on this chair and this stuff but uh they just i feel like they stay at that level where it's like look how ridiculously stupid everything is uh and and it, there's there's no need for consistency consistency like yeah there's a lot of technology in the future it is the future it's hundreds of years in the future who yeah. maintains it? Who invented it? Who put it there? Right? Yeah. Because when you're too stupid to even use larger words, who is maintaining all of this technology? Who is doing the TV programming? The Owl My Balls guy, who set up the set for that show? And yeah. who's, who's directing it? Who's, yeah, who's directing it? Who's writing it? Who's getting the actors involved in framing the shots? Like, yeah, all this stuff that's like, that's, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting halfway through the movie for there to be some big twist where there was like a couple people at the very top who were controlling everything. And it was like, it was like an Illuminati t plot twist where some, there's like a bunch of smart people that are keeping everybody dumb for some reason, you know, for, for control. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's, that's never happened. And I don't know, the, the future that they're portraying instead is more terrifying in that like it's a, it's a symptom of bureaucracy. Things just tend to get worse, is what they're they're uh, promoting. And um, you know, somebody at some point said we can make more money if we uh, stop uh, telling people that water is good for them and tell them that they have to drink, you know, whatever that was, Brondo that was called. Bra yeah, Brondo, not like, Gatorade. The, the, like that, you know, somebody thought that, and then they just perpetuated it forever, right? And then that person died off, I guess, because he, you know. He didn't pass his genes along. I don't know. It was, yeah. The I think the premise is interesting, but when they really tr they try to have it both ways, where they try to say, "Oh, look at all these fun stuff we can do," but never try to ground it or make it feel like it's actually possible. Right. All this stuff is so like there's there's, there's all these arbitrary levels of intelligence that are, that are working at the same time. You know, there's all this infrastructure that exists. Um, but it's held together with like bungee cords, you know? Yeah. It's just, for me that it was just, uh, once you figured out that they weren't going to have any sort of consistency like that, yeah. like for instance, the, at the, going to the, the hospital and the, the people who are there can, like aren't smart enough to even use words. They have to look at a picture and that's what they like poke. And then you go up and stick these things in three of your orifices. And then the machine tells you what's wrong with you. Who works on the machine? Yeah. 
It's, I mean, I could say that about everything, so I, I think I'm going to, that's the last time I'm going to try to say it, but uh, w- once they, once you figure that out and there's no explanation behind it, it's just kind of like, oh. So you, what you really wanted to do was like, what if society was all just like- A bunch of idiots. Idiots, yeah. Not, like, not, not any way to actually get there. Uh, it's just, what if everyone suddenly was stupid? Yeah. And I don't know, like the way that Joe reacts and everything is all, I, I couldn't really get behind him. Um, I, I don't know. The, I think this movie is interesting because it really does work well on its premise. You know, like it relies so heavily on the premise that that's all you can really talk about. It's there's no like depth of craft and there's no like interesting like shots or anything like that. And there's some interesting set design, I suppose. But other than that, it's all like it's all the the high concept premise. And then it's just writing from there. So, I don't know, I, th- I thought that was kind of interesting, how that's, like, where it forces you to engage on it. Yeah, and there's, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that I thought was cool, like, including the federal government in there, uh, and then, like, the power of big corporations, but, like, there's also a couple of times where I thought Joe wasn't being very smart about how he's dealing with dumb people. And I know that he's supposed to be average intelligence, but there were times where I was like, Bad things are happening to you because of you, Joe, not because <laughs> society is that stupid. Um, yeah. Like, like, for instance, when he got his tattoo done and he put his name in as not sure, that was his fault. Yeah, I know the, mach- the machine was being, like, a little bit difficult, I guess, but he was just blundering. He's like, okay, machine, now I'm going to talk to you in complete sentences because I think you're a person. It's like, no, you're average Joe from 2006. You should understand how to deal with automated certain things like this at yeah. least better than what ever, he did yeah you ever called into like an automated phone tree and, and like yeah and I, like does he just start talking and expect that to work like yeah. so i thought that was silly and then like that gag having such a lasting impact was uh frustrating <laughs> at to say the least yeah definitely and i don't know i think it was like it was so frustrating to me watching him trying to deal with everyone like that whole that that scene with um where he's trying to explain to them why they need to use water instead of Rondo, and everyone just keeps, like, repeating the slogan. I think that's, like, that's a clever and, and funny scene, because it really, like, accentuates um, how brainwashed these people are, but it's, like, it's so frustrating to watch, because, you know, they're just working in a circle. It's just, you know, a tautology constantly in a circle of never, never getting beyond just, like, the most basic of ideas. Logic just doesn't work, and yet he continues to think it's going to. And well, I th- I think yeah, exactly. That he he keeps trying to be logical with the idiots when he knows, like he, he has a couple of times where he goes the other route, where he decides to make up something, and because they're idiots, they'll believe it, and that works. And I I kind of wish they'd gone that route a little more. Yeah, like, I, I when, wish there had been more clever things that Joe had done. Right, and like that, like getting out of jail and like just saying it's like, hey, I'm supposed to be getting out today, yeah. and the idiots. Like being, it's almost like the invention of lying, where mm. uh, they're just not expecting anyone to say something that isn't true. I guess. Yeah. So that like that was kind of cool, and like I I like that he used that to his advantage. But right after he goes right back to being kind of an idiot about how he deals with it. Yeah, he doesn't think this through. You know, he's like, you should be, you should have a conversation with him. So I was like, I'm alone in this world. You know, what can I do? And I, like I was thinking about this, like, what would I do in that situation? Um, you know, because that, that happens a lot where I get sent to the future and have to deal with a bunch of idiots. But sure. I, um, I was thinking about the books, the foundation books, and another uh, 
book by Isaac Asimov called Nightfall. In both of those uh, series, uh, Asimov says that in the situation of like barbarism or where logic fails you, the, the best solution is to invent a religion. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly right. You, you, should, you should say, oh, I am a prophet sent from the future or, you know, sent from heaven. And you have to listen to me or else you guys are all doomed. That's what you need to do. You invent a religion based on science. And you get everyone to, to follow your thing. And then they just follow you blindly because that's what they, that's what they do. Works perfectly, I he, think. He kind of did that when he said he could talk to plants. Yeah, that's what I was hoping. Like, I was like, oh, that's, that's what kind of triggered it in my mind. It's like, just, just lie and say that you have knowledge that they don't have. Yep. And I think that would have worked... I think it would have been a lot more uh, entertaining. I think that would have been interesting. I, I would have liked to see that developed more. And I, I don't know, that's what made like the ending really frustrating too, is that like he narrowly gets, like doesn't get killed, right? He's like seconds, millimeters away from being killed. And then they're like, oh, he's great, everything. You know, except that, no, you solved maybe one problem, but you have not solved anything yet. Like all these all of these things that have gone wrong with society and everything, you're going to have to fight tooth and nail to get anything back. And, like, for what? All these people are just going to revert back once you're dead. Right, like, these, these the, the masses that are chanting for death, that they love, like, masses that when they see the cops shooting a car in the street will get so excited about it that they start a riot and, like, like fight each other. Yeah. Those people will, are at a live event that they truly enjoy. Uh, and they're willing to halt it all because they see plants on a big screen. That makes, there's no consistency there. Like, these idiots are suddenly like, "Oh, wait a second. You guys remember earlier when, even though, like, yeah. remember earlier when we switched to water? Even though since then we've all said that that definitely didn't work and actually was a massive problem. Well, now just by looking at a video of plants, we can all come to the unanimous conclusion that this guy who we're currently cheering for his brutal death is that is not only shouldn't die, but also is great and we're totally on board with him being back in power yeah exactly like, i don't think any of the characters in here had that exact line of thinking going through their <laughs> tiny brains okay no that's that's the thing is like you like how long does that last right and and how long until you know he does something else that it doesn't meet up to standard you know well what's his name president camacho terry cruz's character is like he's gonna solve all of our problems in a week and he's like like no that's not possible but like if he doesn't, they'll just kill him. And I think that kind of leads into, like, the, the, the biggest reason why I didn't like this movie was, or what, like, disturbed me the most, was the total lack of empathy. Because I think, I think empathy is more than just being emotional or, you know, being vulnerable. It's, it's, it's the fundamental glue that holds everything together. The moment we stop caring about people, the moment we stop listening, is the moment we are lost for good. And without empathy become totally thoughtless, ruthless animals with no ability to plan, no ability to teach, and no ability to learn either. And, I mean, to go back to our Lego Batman uh, uh, podcast, I read that poem, uh, what's it, um, John Milton, or John Donne, No Man is an Island. Without empathy, every man becomes an island, and suddenly there's no continent to be seen. And I think, I think the most amazing thing, the most useful thing, we've the humans have ever invented is language and if, if we lose our like the ability to communicate 
um, then we are just lost and alone with nothing. And I mean, that's kind of what we're, that's what this movie is kind of implying is happening is that these people like lack empathy. They lack, they're lacking, you know, they're, they're losing the ability to speak to each other, they're losing the ability to communicate. And, and from there, what happens? There's nothing. Yeah, oh, no. it, it is. It's a it's a haunting future, and I, I honestly hadn't focused in on that one aspect of it. Uh, but it's definitely there. Nobody, no one cares at all for the well being of anyone else. Uh, no. especially not discount Zach Braff, who yeah. when uh, Luke Wilson comes crashing through his window, uh, he can't even be bothered to find out what it's about. He's too stupid. He's watching TV, and he just uses his like you know, his strength, I guess, to toss him out the window. And then later on, he actually does care. And he's like, actually, you know, now I'm capable of understanding the situation and I'm, I'm willing to, like, you know, go, go to further lengths to further the plot here. And it's just like, yeah, ah. that's going back to that same thing. But, um, I, I, but like having people root for the death of others, like basically breaks the justice system. I can't imagine anyone going to court and not dying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They've already decided that they're going to die. And, it's, and there's no way out of it, you know? Yeah, it's well, just... Why even have court? Uh, honestly, <laughs> that doesn't make sense to me. Like, the, that, maybe because it's a show and, like, the guys up there, they just like the process for fun. Yeah. But having lawyers, it doesn't... Like, where did you... Oh, like, that's another one that I got frustrated about. It was when they were in the Costco. Mm. And, uh, and Discount Zach Braff is talking about how he went to law school there. Yeah, and which okay was actually kind of a funny joke because he's like, you went to college at you went to law school at Costco. He's like, yeah, I couldn't believe it either, but my dad's an alumnus, so he pulls some strings. <laughs> Uses the correct like alumnus because a lot of people like use say alumni, which is wrong. But he's this idiot is capable of saying of using the right usage of that word. Ah, just inconsistent levels of stupidity. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know, like, I wish there... That would have been okay, I guess, in a way, right? Like, if they had gone out of their way to show that Discount Zach Braff had been more, um, like, had been smarter than anyone else, right? Like, of all the people that he's associated with, of all his friends, he's the smartest one, but he's still, like, ridiculously dumb. But there's nothing like that. Everybody is the equal amounts of stupid. Yep. All right. I think we've ragged on this movie long enough. Let's move on. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We're, we're uh, move, yeah, rolling right along here. Um, next up, we're going to talk about our most quotable moment. Uh, so what, what was your favorite quote from the movie? A pimp's love is very different from that of a square. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, the one... <laughs> I loved that sequence. I thought that was so funny because the, like, the guy's up there and he's like, I'm going through the slideshow whatever. And then he dives. Like, he has all of these slides of him hanging out with Upgrade, <laughs> becoming his best friend, and, like, learning about the pimp in life and everything. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. And then he, like, like, just get past it. And he's like, okay. And he just... Like, I wish there was more jokes like that. I felt like that was such a... That was such a good, like... I don't know. It was so different from the rest of this movie, where the rest of the movie was like, oh, look how stupid everything is. Yeah. I, I thought... I, it, was kind of, it was creative, too. It ended up being a huge... Like important, like, yeah, it did. part of the plot, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I thought was funny. That was very absurd. Um, and I, I don't know, was pimping like a more readily available uh, subject to joke about back in the two, early two thousands? Like, um, I don't know. I, 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 I that's an odd inclusion. Um, it was. I mean, that's I don't know. It's just that odd 
um, I don't know, juxtaposition? Because, like, you always picture the military guys as being very regimented and everything. Yeah. And the pimp life is very much, like, chaotic. So, <laughs> I don't know. I thought it, it was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I liked it, too. Well, especially because he didn't give up the pimp in life. Uh, no, not at all. It ended up coming to, back <laughs> to biting. Cost and everything. <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, my, my favorite, my, 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 my most quotable moment... There were a lot of good ones in here, but a lot. Um, but the one I went with was during when they were in the House of Representing, which I thought was great. <laughs> that was uh, good. And people were uh, all the senators were. Uh, well, T- Terry Crews was addressing the senators, uh, and one of them yells out, "I've got a solution. You're a dick, South Carolina. What's up?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's That's got so it. Funny. And all the all the senators are wearing these vests that have their state flag down the back, uh, and you can definitely see South Carolina in there. And I just thought that that was uh, that was very like, even though it's been hundreds of years, South Carolina hasn't changed. Nope. And, uh, well represented, of course. I they show that. up in idiocracy. Yeah, I thought that was so funny too, especially like how like he's like, I represent South Carolina, and here's my solution. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Uh, but like yeah the like the vest with the with like the states in the back there's a lot of stuff in this movie where i felt like um i could see the conversation where someone was like hey why don't we do this wouldn't that make everything easier like instead of having you know different people out on the floor like why don't we have them wear the shape of their state on their back then we can all (laughs) tell who they are and someone else is like yeah, that's a great idea. You know, I could just picture that. Yeah, no, I, I think that's history. Yeah, it's a logical. Uh, I think there's a lot of stuff like that in the movie, like subtle things in the background that that I made me think that for sure. Um, okay, so now we're on to what this movie taught me. So we're, yeah, we're gonna, life lessons that you can take away from this movie. Yeah, we're gonna run through our sequence. Would uh, <laughs> say all the things that this movie taught us. Should I start? Go ahead. Fox News is unchanging and eternal. Advertisements make ugly clothing. Starbucks should really get into the hand job business. Stupid people have more sex. No need for maintenance. Pimping ain't easy. Technology will keep us dumb. Being average isn't so bad. Even our robots are just as stupid in the future. You should do something with your life. You can buy the FDA and the FCC. Wait, I already knew that. You're an idiot if you don't take advantage of sponsorships. <sighs> yep. That last one, I think, was one of my favorite lessons I learned from this movie. <laughs> I, I feel like I learned so much. I'm so glad we were to share that yeah. with everyone. <laughs> Very educational movie. Okay, so at this point, we want to dive in a little deeper about just different things that this, you know, this movie touches on. So do you want to start with yours? Sure. Uh, so I, what I thought was interesting, and, and I'm not even sure how much, like I might be reading into it more than they wanted us to, but I think this movie criticizes advertising uh, while simultaneously exploiting it. Because uh, I always wonder how the arbitration process goes through when real brands are included in in a in a movie like this yeah especially when they're put in kind of a negative light but from my experience the conclusion i've drawn is that all publicity is good publicity having starbucks like saying that like 
I want Starbucks right now. It's like, we don't have time for a hand job. Like, ha ha ha, you know, that's, that's like the joke. And us seeing it, we're like, yeah, fuck Starbucks, you know, whatever. But mm-hmm. next time you want a coffee or maybe a hand job, your <laughs> Starbucks is already in your head. That, the connection has already been made. And, uh, they, I mean, this Carl's Jr. was in here and you know, they're, they're still on theme with the movie, but you can look at, uh, the Gatorade a substitution in this movie which was uh what did we say that was called Brando uh Brando right Brando yeah Brando they Brando's not a real brand and so like they're not getting anything out of that and it all comes to a head when they're talking to one of the cabinet members who follows everything he says up with brought to you by Carl's Jr and he he does it a few times before Luke Wilson asks him why are you doing that and he's like well it's cuz they pay me every time I say that so I'd be stupid not to mm-hmm. and I think that obviously that guy believes it because he says it and does it. But I think the people who made this movie also believe that they're like, we're making this movie. We're criticizing advertising. We'd be stupid not to line our pockets in the, in the process. Cause these companies will pay us to, to advertise for them. So, yeah. so I, even though I, I agree with the sentiment and to any potential advertisers listening, we will read. We will do your thirty-second and one-minute reads on the show. Should you offer them to us, we will do that. But because I would be stupid not to. But uh, for me, it's it's a little bit off-putting because this movie is saying, "Wow, look at this over over uh, saturation of advertising in a movie that's overly saturated with real advertising." Yeah, that's a really good point and something that I didn't really pick up on when I was watching it. And I, and I do wonder about that same thing. Like, do it, you know, like, let's say you, I don't know, you do something, you paint the, you paint the advertiser in like a, even a sort of bad light. Does that count against you? Does that like not work? You know, I don't know how that works, right? Like how, do you have to pay to, to get someone into your movie if you're going to paint them in a bad light? Or will they pay you just to mention them in general? Because I think in general you're right that any any press is good press, um, and you know having this this stuff in the movie is saying like oh look how demented and perverted that these these uh, you know huge companies become in the future. But also they're saying look how they're not going to change. You know look how long they're going to last. They're going to last forever beyond the fall of society. They'll last. But I don't know. Actually, I saw, um, I saw an interview with Mike Judge done by, and I really want you to guess who it was done by, because I don't think you could possibly guess. <laughs> who the interview was done by? Who, yeah, who the interviewer was. Oh my gosh. I, I don't even know any interview. Somebody from E! From Entertainment. No, no. Somebody, okay. Uh, a controversial character who was, until recently, on YouTube. Oh, no way. Alex Jones? Yes, Alex Jones. <laughs> He did an interview with Alex Jones. That's Mike awesome. Judge did an interview with Alex Jones. This is like 2013. Wow. <laughs> were they, were they, they weren't talking about this movie, were yeah, they? They were. Talk, they talked about it for a little bit, maybe five minutes or so. But he's. But Mike Judge said something about the ads. He said he wanted to make a, jo- a joke about Starbucks giving hand jobs or something, and he took it to legal. And legal said actually it would be easier for us to pitch this if um you you did it to more ads, like if you did it to more companies. Yeah, and, and I mean, they had, they definitely had a few in there. And he's like, oh, great. <laughs> Perfect. So I don't know, like, do they get, do they get paid for that? Like, does Carl Jr. pay, like, Mike Judge for this movie? Although this movie was, like, not, it was not released very well. 
it was not marketed well, but people found out about it anyway. Um, I'm just going to quote the, uh, one of the cabinet members here and say they'd be stupid not to get paid for that because yeah. otherwise they're doing free advertising. I think that you can, it's like currently right now, I would say that what we're doing, even though we're like discussing a different, a work, right? So it's like, we mm. can't help but bring it up. We're also giving them publicity, right? Um, so like, cause having a major part of your story take place underneath the Fuddruckers, that might endear some people to Fuddruckers. You yeah. Know, even like, oh, if, I haven't been to Fuddruckers forever. We should go there. Exactly. So it, it's. You can do it right. You can do it in a way, not right, I guess, but you can do it in a way where the company, A, probably wouldn't want you to do it, and B, uh, like, definitely won't pay you to do it. And mm. you can see good examples of this whenever John Oliver mentions a brand on Last Week Tonight, because yeah. he eviscerates them in a way yeah. that they couldn't possibly want. So Even it, like, uh, what's the AT&T? He does it to AT&T who just bought HBO. Yeah, so it, like, and, and I think that, I think there is definitely uh, something to gain there for him. Like, instead of having money, he'd rather have his people know he's not in it for the money or in some mm. capacity, so they trust him more. So that works for him there. But uh, they, like, I, it just made me feel gross that in a movie where they're saying, yeah, aren't tons of ads just, like, the worst? Surrounded by ads. real ads. Yeah, so uh, that was, for me, that was, like, the main... Uh, that the, the like the the thing that I thought was most interesting about it. I didn't yeah. like it, but I still thought it was uh, kind of an interesting situation. It is an interesting thing, and it's worth bringing up. You know, I think it goes back to what we we're saying about cinema sense. Is Poe's law? You know, you're saying, "Oh, I'm satirizing ads, but I'm also going to show you ads." If you take it out of context, if you just take it where it is, you're showing us ads. That's that's the end result. Your intention doesn't matter. Yeah. All right. So, what what did you want to dive deeper in on? Well, I want to talk about the general premise of like the idea of this is things are getting worse right the future is gonna we're all gonna fall apart we think that we have this like uh, they talk about in the beginning of the narration they're like there's often visions of the future just depict a you know perfect society but that's not what's gonna happen and so i i remember watching this ted talk and i rewatched it in preparation for this podcast but I also wrote down some stuff too it's a ted talk by steven pinker and it's called, Is the World Getting Better or Worse? A Look at the Numbers. It's really, really good. I, I encourage everyone to watch it. Link, link in the description. Yeah. So he, he cites it by saying, like, is the, our thing is getting worse. Uh, 2016 was, was said to be the worst year ever until 2017 arrived. And, but he says, you know, we're longing for a past that doesn't exist. And I, whenever someone says this, I think about Stranger Things. How Stranger Things invokes, like, nostalgia for a period of time that never actually existed. It's just like a a perfect idea of what the 80s was like, but it's not a um it's not an accurate depiction in any sort of way. So uh it, he goes on to say nothing is more responsible for the good old days than a bad memory. Um and the kind of the thesis of his talk is that intellectuals hate progress, especially people that call themselves progressives. He wrote a book um which I can't remember the name of. I think it's called uh, um, Enlightenment Now. And he got a bunch of a critical response from it saying, how dare he claim that intellectuals hate progress? And also, how dare he claim that there has been progress? Um, but he goes, through, he goes through the numbers and he says, 30 years ago versus today, we had less wars. We had, we had uh, less democracy. We had more, um, more uh, extreme poverty. We had more nuclear weapons. Like, all of these things that we contribute to a dangerous world, 
were worse in the past. We have slowly, but surely, getting getting better. But this idea of progress, like, has always been portrayed as a myth. I've often cited myself the myth of progress. That you know, it's this idea that as time goes on, things get better. I'm like, that's a myth. That's not true. But he's saying no. That's that is true. And the reason that you, the reason why people hate progress, the reason people are resistant to the idea that progress exists, is um, several things. One of them is the nature of journalism. He says the news about new the news is about stuff that happens, not stuff that doesn't happen. You never see a journalist who says, "I'm reporting live from a country that has been at peace for forty years." <laughs> um, and he says there's like you know this mantra that the news corporations, uh, you know, kind of build their values on. It says if it's ble- if it bleeds, it leads. So you know all the bad stuff rises to the top. All the terrible stuff, terrorism, you know, you know, uh, school shootings, all that stuff. It's I mean, some of it may be more common now, but some of it is, um, a lot of it isn't more common. A lot of that stuff has been happening for such a long time, but, and we're just so in tune with it that we don't look at all the stuff that's going well. Because good things happen slowly, um, but bad things happen very quickly. But, okay, so when I was watching this and he did address this, I, I was asking myself, isn't pessimism useful, right? Like, isn't saying, Oh, like I'm so worried about the future. I need to do something about it. Um, isn't that exactly what perpetuates this idea of progress? That like, isn't that attitude what motivates people to make progress? So says, you should you should always be looking for something to be wrong so that you can fix it. Yeah, exactly. And he says no. It's actually just better to be accurate. And because because pessimism leads to fatalism. And he quotes he has a quote that says, uh, "Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die." Or he also says pessimism um, perpetuates radicalism. Let's tear it down and start over. And this is exactly the thing that Raza Ghul says, or Donald Trump says with Drain the Swamp. Is tear it down. Let's all, you know, it's not worth it. Everything, like, we're, we're in a mess here. There's no solution. We just need to start over. That, like, he's saying, no, that's, that's wrong. If you, if you look at the numbers, if you look at the way that progress has been progressing, Many of the world's biggest problems may actually have solutions, and to say it's never going to get better is to give up without trying. And then he goes on to, to kind of qualify this. He says, what exactly is progress? It's not some mysterious, like, natural phenomenon. It's not something that just happens. It's built on a, a, a set of values that were started in um, the Enlightenment. It says, if we use reason and science to increase human well-being, then we get progress it seems um yeah it's like it's almost like a formula in that in itself right there and then he has um has a couple of really good quotes near the end which i want to directly quote from him we will never have a perfect world and it would be dangerous to seek one but there is no limits to the betterments we can attain if we continue to apply knowledge to enhance human flourishing and then something he says at the very end that i think relates back to this movie it only requires the convictions that Knowledge is better than ignorance and superstition. So, well, that is hopeful. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's, I mean, even after watching it, I'm still like, he's wrong. Progress is a myth. But <laughs> it's like, it, but he, he really does a good job of addressing it and, and making it seem like, you know, we're in denial about how things are actually getting better. And this should seek as, this should be seen as motivation that we can make a difference and we can make changes. 
And this world that we were shown in Idiocracy is far from a guarantee and far from accurate either, because if we just, you know, continue on the path we've already set ourselves on with the right values in mind, we're on our way to a, um, you know, a betterment of everyone. No, I, I agree. I actually, I, I usually don't subscribe to the, that progress is a myth. I generally believe that things are always getting better. Uh, one thing just in my own lifetime has been the like access to communication. Like going from like when I was a kid having a landline to now pretty much every single person having a smartphone in their pocket at all times. Uh, you can argue whether that's better or worse, right? And that's like I kind of I think where the myth of progress comes in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but from my perspective, I think that that has made my life better in a lot of ways. Uh, and, and like combined with all the other things that are going on, uh, that like things like just access to things that used to be luxuries, uh, at, at, from one perspective, I know it can, it's kind of simplifying it down, but, uh, there's a lot of things where you're like, Oh, just a few years ago, like that, I wouldn't have had access to something like this, but now because of like advancements and, uh, just everybody working hard to make things better for everybody, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to be too. You, you can't be too general with this stuff because you could argue <laughs> that there's a lot of things that haven't gotten better, and it's hard to have consensus on anything. Yeah. Um, but, but I, no, I, I, I like this what, view of it. I see what I see what you're saying, and I and I agree too. And that's something that he says in his talk too is that you know we come up with solutions, and those solutions bring up new problems, which also need solutions. You know, it's this isn't something that's you know it's not like we're 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 reaching for some sort of utopia here. You know, it's not like we're, we're trying to achieve something that's impossible. Um, but in general, we have been using reason and science to increase human well-being. Um, and that's led to progress indirectly. It's, um, yeah, and it's hard, to, it's hard to deny that when he shows you that stuff. And I, I don't know, I think all this, like, this idea of like, you know, 2016 is the worst year ever or whatever, or like, oh, look at all these problems we have in the world. I think a lot of that is because of the communication we have. Now that we are so... We're so much better connected. We understand so many different perspectives. Um, we can we can start to see all the problems at once and start to you know start to fix them. That's the first step to solving any problem. It's just awareness. And I think saying, "Oh, this is the worst year ever," because all look at all these things. It's just saying, "Oh, look at all these things we didn't know about before." Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree with that. And saying it's the worst year ever is. So it's such hyperbole uh, I mean, because yeah. there's, there's many like the world has seen some worse years. Oh my um, gosh. Remember when a third of the population in Europe was killed because of a, a disease? It's going to be tough. I know, I know some people really don't like Trump, but that's, it's hard to top that um, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's actually another, another thing, another Ted talk I saw. Um, and actually after diving into this a little bit deeper sort of supports the theory of idiocracy. And that's, um, there's this TED talk called Why Our IQ Levels Are Getting are Higher Than Our Grandparents by James Flynn, who is the discoverer or, I guess, inventor of something called the Flynn Effect, which is uh, this idea that basically we're getting smarter in general. We're, we're improving our IQ scores um, as time goes on. It says, it's a, the Flynn Effect is, describes the relationship between education and IQ score. But, but, in recent years, a reverse Flynn effect has been recorded in many developed countries, including Britain, Denmark, Finland, Sweden, and France. So the then, reverse Flynn effect? Yes, as in people are getting dumber um, as time goes on. Mm. 
people are losing IQ points. Or, you know, generations are losing IQ points from generation to generation. Not individuals getting smart, stupider. Sure. Um, so, in that, from that perspective, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to think now. Does, <laughs> is there anything in the reverse Flynn effect that says all smart people go extinct? Like, that's the one part we still have. I looked that up, okay? I looked up if smart people breed slower than stupid people. Yeah. And all I could find was an article in The Atlantic saying we should be nicer to stupid people. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, we, ex- we exist in a, um, what, what's it called? A, um, oh, damn it, Meta, uh, meritocracy? That's what it is, right? Meritocracy? Mer- meritocracy, that's the yes. word I'm looking for. Yeah, we exist in a meritocracy, which was, when it was originally described was a uh, dystopian future but now everyone's saying it's such a good thing i'm like yeah i don't see like i don't understand why you think it's a bad thing <laughs> i don't know well i was i don't have much i don't have much sympathy for stupid people i'm sorry well um <laughs> sorry to all of our stupid listeners you know nothing nothing personal <laughs> not all of our listeners are stupid obviously oh, but the I, ones that okay. are stupid sorry if, if that offends you um <laughs> but there's uh yeah i, I I, I like that sequence at the beginning of this movie with the yeah. uh, with the whole like the couple that decides not to have kids and then they can't have kids versus the hillbillies and like football players like WWE fans who just can't stop like inbreeding and having tons of kids. Yeah. Uh, while I think it was a funny like somewhat funny and memorable sequence, so it's like way too simple for what what that is. Like maybe oh, yeah. smart people left this planet. Or something like that. Maybe that explains it. And they just left yeah. Terry Crews in charge. But there's Terry so, Crews, your only hope. Well, yeah, because um, yeah, that, that I still yeah. think that even if the general public gets dumber, there'll be enough smart people around that will be like the maybe they're the exception, but they'll still be around. They won't just die. Yeah, and I mean that kind of comes back to like our fundamental values as humans. And this is the thing. I mean, this is what he's talking about. Steven Pinker's talking about at the end of his talk. This conviction that knowledge is better than ignorance and superstition is, I feel like, is so fundamental to being a human being. Um, and I, you know, even people that believe in superstition, even people that believe in, um, uh, I don't know, in stuff that that's wrong, right? They're still in pursuit of truth in a way, right? They're still seeking, they're looking for reasons why things are a certain way. Sure. And so. Like, they may be coming up short, of course, you know, but I think a lot of times we come up short in a lot of things we do. It's all about the pursuit of that, um, which is something that you almost have to teach. But still, it's something so fundamental that even the people that get it wrong are still, in a way, seeking it, I think. I don't know, maybe I'm being too general about that. Well, despite what this movie forecasts, I think that we're going to be... We're going to be okay. From my, from the limited, uh, like, looking into the future is always foggy, but I think uh, at least right now we're on the right trajectory. Yeah, so do you think this is like, I feel like this movie falls into that camp of pessimism, right? Or, and I don't know if it goes to fatalism or radicalism from there, but it definitely seems like a, a warning in a way, saying, look what, what will, look what will happen if we're not careful. Oh, yeah. Um, but do you think that's, do you think that's warranted or do you think that's useful? Um, I think they had to pick a, an opinion. They had to pick, you know, they had to come at it from some angle and that's the one they chose. 
I, I again, it, you can't. I think predicting the future is really hard to do. But yeah, um, I don't think that they make a strong argument for their position. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay. So, um, all right. So we're we're getting towards the end of our new format of our episodes, mm-hmm. and uh, so we're gonna start with something we haven't done previously. Is we're gonna provide a rating uh, for the movie, but the uh, format for your rating can be anything you want. So we're gonna have our uh, <laughs> kind of make it specific to each movie we watch. So yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe, give us give us your official rating for Idiocracy. I give it uh, 0.3 brains. So is that is that not that great? That sounds small, like not very I mean, well, much. I mean, I have I have one brain, right? So <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> what about you? I give it five full buckets of Floritin hand-to-mouth goodness. Very nice. Yes. And, that sounds uh, like a lot. I don't think it, I could finish that one day. I, did you? <laughs> I, yeah, I think some of the people in this movie could have, but uh, the, I looked at those buckets, and they looked disgusting, and uh, five, I think, is excessive. Five uh, is a lot. So that's how I feel about this movie. <laughs> okay. Which I looked into those, like, floor, f- flatterin, actually, I think is how you'd say it. And uh, uh, it, what I, I think the erin is supposed to be adjacent to margarine. I don't know where the flatterin comes from. But, I don't uh, know. But I think it's, like, supposed to be basically, like, eating a tub of butter with your hands. So, hmm. uh, delicious. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, this has been fun. Yes, um, that, that, that brings us to the conclusion, and we're, look at that, we're under an hour. Uh, <laughs> we're going to try to keep doing it from there. So uh, what did you guys think of our new uh, format? Any comments on it? Uh, please let us know. You, we got our email, our Twitter. You can comment on SoundCloud Mobile now. So definitely nice. utilize that uh, if you're listening to us on there. Uh, but I enjoyed this. Uh, I think that uh, we've said all we need to say about this movie. Yeah. Uh, so for <laughs> Affable Chat, I'm Benjamin. And I'm Joey. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening to Affable Chat. You can find us on iTunes, Google, or your favorite podcast app. If you want to help us grow the podcast, share it, rate us five stars, and or write us a review. It really helps. Have a comment about something we said? Tweet at us at Affable Chat or write us an email, affablechat at gmail.com. Check the description for links to any of the outside topics we discussed. And once again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.